0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Kent Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory, the mailbag edition to start your week off right we got a lot of questions to get through. We got five-star reviews. We got Gmail questions. We got Twitter questions. We're going to try to answer a bunch of them. Here to help me do that, first, my dear pal, uh, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. It is Maddie Lane. Hello, my friend. How is it going? Oh, I'm doing good. We uh, got the big Kansas City Chiefs,
2: Midwestern Michigan, NFL Michigan, I think is what we're going to have to start calling oh. them now after the way things are trending. But uh, we got oh. a jam-packed show, so we're going to get through this intro quick. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to longtime listener Jordan Smith and newest member of the Chiefs Kingdom, Quinn Patrick Smith. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate all of you guys out there that listen to us, everybody, everywhere. We love you guys. You guys are the best. You make this all worth it. Craig Stout is also here with us. He is pouring out his soul about Willie Gay into an Arrowhead Pride article coming to you guys sometime early this week. How are you doing tonight, bud?
3: Man, I'm gonna have to reduce this down. I because I am literally pouring my soul. This might just have to be a Maddie seven length. parter.
2: No, just send it at Maddie length.
3: Okay, okay. Mm. I, I'm gonna have to trim this thing back because I I, <laughs> I like gushing about athletic linebackers.
1: You guys, Maddie. Maddie set out. There's a DM. I've got receipts. Maddie set out to write 750 words on Taco Charlton, and he wrote 1500 listen this is, it
2: was gonna be 750 he had to go and mess around and have a very good game in 2018 that was a two times multiplier
1: okay well <laughs> it it you do it to yourself buddy your your law your length the funny thing is is when maddie no okay don't what the funny thing is is when maddie's not on the show me and craig wind up going longer I don't know, like, we don't feel like we have to rein Maddie in and then me and Craig wind up going for, like, 50 minutes when we're on the show. It's hilarious. Just the engine um, that makes okay. us then churn, baby. Clearly. I mean, what would we do without Maddie Lane? Uh, real quick, just if you've noticed on on the podcast channel that you know you're seeing a lot more content here and you're going to continue to get more of it the ap Editor's show show is going to be on tuesdays and thursdays we're on mondays and wednesdays uh you might get some more content you know sometime later in the week as well just depends on the week but all of our podcasts are releasing at 11 a.m every day now so 11 a.m every day monday through thursday you're going to get some content and then you might get some more content after that so be on the lookout we're trying to get some more content out content out for you uh, so, yeah, we're uh, we're pretty excited about that that change. And the AP editor show, if you haven't listened, it's great. Uh, they're doing a great job over there. Uh, five-star review question time. If you like the show, if you like the podcast channel, feel free to leave a five-star review. I already saw a couple uh, reviews for, for Pete and John. I think that's awesome. Uh, but we try to answer the questions when uh, we get them. And Sorcery asks, basic question, is it against NFL regulations for a wealthy Chiefs benefit factor to gift Patrick Mahomes or other players Money slash luxury items as a way of avoiding salary cap hits. Does it happen anyway in the NFL?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I believe this is a question like like a collegiate booster giving, giving an athlete you know, a bunch of money. Yeah, we know it happens. The TB12 Center is right next to Gillette Stadium. Huh. That's really awkward all of a sudden. Tom Brady's business is right next door to the place where he no longer is playing. I think that that's a situation that you know some team could do that. But, you know, with all the taxes and everything like that that comes about from that, that's that's really hard to do. So most of these billionaire owners would just rather put it on the salary cap.
1: Eh, there's a few offshore bank accounts. Tom's got some money waiting for him from Bobby Kraft. He's in the will. You oh, yeah, it. he's definitely in the will. Jackson Bartlett post-draft Veach threw in a comment stating he wanted to pair Niang with LDT because it would give him a fluent French-speaking wingman. Does this raise the question that he might see Niang as a replacement for Schwartz, even with Fisher's cap hit? Interested to hear your thoughts.
2: Reading through more than just Veach's comments, but even going into Andy Heck's comments, I do think the general thought process is that Lucas Niang is an offensive tackle that may have the ability to play on the inside. That doesn't mean they don't use him on the inside or as an offensive guard this year. But if you listen to especially Andy Heck talk, but even Brett Veach, they start out with him at offensive tackle not offensive guard. So I think they do see him as a tackle. I think Brett Veach just kind of threw in that French thing to kind of make a little bit of a funny. And just to show him, you know, that Lucas Niang is a smart player, just an intelligent guy, I think, was kind of their goal with that.
1: LDT is not under contract until next next year, I believe, either, correct? He's an option year, one? I believe. It's an option year. option year. Yeah. Okay. Chief in Dallas, seriously, how do we keep the Cowboy cast-offs <laughs> or keep getting Cowboy cast-offs? Uh, it's pretty incredible. Really? Uh, the chiefs continue to just gobble up pieces of the, uh, the Cowboys defense. It's, I, I don't understand it. They've got Charverius Ward, Anthony Hitchens, now taco Charlton. Um, they're just, they're grabbing all these guys. It's, it's wild. Uh, I think that was more of a joke, but still that's, that's crazy to see. Um, AP nerdsquad at gmail.com gents. Seems like almost every player the Chiefs took in the draft was a sleeper, except Clyde Edwards. Maybe Clyde Edwards will hear. Uh, by round. Round two, character. Round three, injury. Round four, position switch. Round five, measurables. Uh, round seven, didn't test. Seems like a great strategy for a team with so many pieces returning from a championship season and so little draft capital to make this many swings. Do you think this was intentional? And now that you have had a chance to watch more tape on each player, would you revise your draft grades on any of them?
3: No, the The last part of that, I would not revise my draft gate grades on any of them because frankly, I liked most of them. I still like most of them. I, I think it just worked out a little bit that the chiefs were able to catch some, you know, quote unquote sleepers or value picks with these guys because they definitely fit stuff. Now, We heard rumors about other guys that they were interested in that weren't sleepers or weren't going to be classified in that regard. But I think it just kind of worked out overall that they were just interested in a lot of guys that ended up with these off-field things or injuries or position switches or things like that. I mean, I don't think it was intentional, but yet that's an interesting observation that that definitely is how it worked out.
2: My assumption would be it's just kind of chasing the value. I think the way the Chiefs operate, you hear Brett Veach talking about it a lot, where they have these tiers of players. And essentially, if you have a guy that's suffering from injury concerns or potential character concerns, position switches, they might be in a higher tier of other players around them when it comes to your pick if they're going to fall a little bit. So I think it's just the way the Chiefs draft, it emphasizes getting the best value that just happens to be within a certain tier of players. And I also think when it goes like to Willie Gay especially, because I think that's the one that's probably the biggest risk, so to speak, they just feel very confident in their locker room and their coaches and the culture they have going on that they will be able to keep him on the straight and narrow. It sounds like they do a lot of homework on guys like that, so it is going to be okay. Like They feel very confident with it, which makes me confident, so we're all good. And the only grade that I'd want to change – I think it would be Lucas Niang. I think I graded two 2018 and two 2019 games for him when I first did it. And I just wish I could scrap the 2019 games and only grade 2018 because the hip injury just severely limited how much he could move. And that was a big part of his game is his athleticism. It's so like, well, I feel good about the grade that I have out there on him. I just wish that 2019 was an equal weight as 2018 going into the draft
1: guide. I actually think there was some intentionality about it if I'm being honest with you. Um, and it, like, Because you listen to Brett Veach's comments he talks about with Willie Gay. It's, you know, if he had come back next year, he would have been a first-round pick. It was either him or Andy that said that. Um, I think, you know, the Niang swing is fantastic for a team that feels comfortable with their, you know, situation this year. You know, having 20, 20, 20 of 22 starters back gives you the luxury to maybe take a swing on a tackle that probably goes in earlier if he's not injured. Uh, Lejarius Sneed is the one guy that I do kind of wish um, – we had we had graded as a cornerback, obviously, because he's going to come in and play as a cornerback. This his cornerback tape is fantastic. It really is. Uh, I did I did miss one five star review question, uh, and I wanted to wanted to ask it or answer it. Uh, Crossbreak it asks: There's a video of uh, Brett Veach talking about why they drafted Clyde. He talks about not getting good results on well blocked first downs and how Clyde Edwards Hilaire will make Pat's life easier. This has analytics guys worried that the Chiefs will be less pass heavy. Uh, What was your takeaway from the comments, or will Andy continue to throw on first downs at a league leading rate? I think they're slinging the ball all over the field. I am not worried about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's usage uh, in the run game or them starting to lean more heavily on the run game because they drafted a running back in the first round. I think he's going to sling the ball all over the field. I think you you're gonna like we talked about earlier this week. I think you're gonna see more RPOs. I think you're gonna like it's gonna be RPO heavy again. So if the um, keys indicate that they need to hand the ball off, they're gonna hand the ball off. But I still think they're gonna be slinging it all over the yard and they're gonna be scoring a billion points. And all these adjustments that the AFC West tried to do to pretend like they could potentially get into a shootout with the Chiefs are gonna become fruitless. It's gonna be hilarious. Craig, did you have something that you wanted to jump in there?
3: I just want—I wanted to add, um, Alex Smith, you know, the last two years, and Patrick Mahomes' first two years. I—I I don't have the numbers right off the top of my dome here, but I posted them in the DM the other day. Uh, around four hundred and twenty carries, low four hundred carries, and then it jumped down to three eighty-seven and three seventy-six with Patrick Mahomes the last two years. That's the number of carries that they had on the team there. So. It didn't matter. They tried to go out and solve it. Like, LaShawn McCoy, they invested in this offseason. This isn't a situation where they didn't invest in a running back, and they still did not run the ball. Do not expect that because Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a first-round draft pick, that now all of a sudden that's going to balloon back up to 430 carries again. Andy just doesn't
1: do that. And remember, Kareem Hunt never had more than 30 carries in a game. Uh, or had never had 30 carries, period, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, okay, Lincoln Cook asks kind of a two-parter, hey, guys, with the adjusted 55-man roster, what would the extra two spots have looked like for the Chiefs last year in 2019? Who would they have kept uh, that we maybe lost? It's kind of, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, my understanding of the 55-man roster is actually that the, the, the teams can call up two practice squad players to their active roster per week. So I don't believe that it is a situation where they're getting to keep 55 men on the roster. They're getting to add two from their practice squad. So what that means is maybe Alex Brown gets up a little earlier. A guy like that who wound up on the 53-man roster. But it's probably something along those lines. Jackson Barton, I think, wound up on the 53-man. Well, no, he never made the practice squad anyway, now that I think about it. But that's really just how it works. Like, that's my understanding of how it works. We're going to see how it kind of manifests. But I do think it's interesting that the year that the roster kind of expands is the year that the Chiefs go really heavily on undrafted free agents, and they go grab the Daryl Williams of the world. They go grab the Bo Peake keys. Um, I find that very interesting or not both. They go grab what well, they were going to go. I think they were trying to potentially do that in free undrafted free agency, I believe. But um, that's what they said. Um, but, you know, that's why they were so aggressive with the undrafteds. I think, is because they're probably taking into these expanded rosters, expanded, you know, practice squads into considerations with all this. And then his other part of this question is um, how uh, the how can the change potentially affect roster building for the year? Uh, I'm thinking of a podcast last year where you guys slotted out who makes it through training camp and on the fifty-three man roster based on positional value, which I love by the way, and you should absolutely do that again. Uh but what position groups do you think that the Chiefs should have those extra two guys in? I mean, just kinda you can kinda still go with the logic.
3: Yeah. I, I think that it's going to be cornerback. I think they've added a lot of bodies at cornerback. So I think that they're just going to be uh, one of those guys that can kind of play in that flux role between the practice squad and the active roster. They just Steve Spagnuolo wants as many of those guys as possible, regardless of what he did last year. And then I think the other one is probably interior offensive line. They have a logjam of bodies at that spot. So I'm guessing that they're going to keep one of those guys around. Maybe try and integrate him a little sooner.
1: All right, let's jump ahead and look at some Twitter questions now. Uh, By the way, thank you guys all for the Shea Patterson jokes. I think most of that is uh, Maddie's fault uh, for standing Shea Patterson. Why
2: would it be my fault?
1: (sighs) Anytime
2: you can add the number one quarterback in the entire country to your football team, you do
1: it. You done? For now? (laughs) (laughs) Um. Also, uh, just just for like, just lay it all out here. We've got asked a lot of questions about what UDFA is, has a chance to make an impact. Who has a chance to stick? I think we answered some of that last week. I don't. I don't think we're going to answer a ton of those, a ton of that that question a ton of times moving forward. I will. We will answer questions about specific UDFAs. So if you want to ask questions about specific guys, that's a better way for us to kind of have conversations and keep this stuff fresh. I think we have a Yasir Durant question in, but. Um, we're, we're probably, if you want to ask specifically about a UDFA, please go ahead moving forward. Um, I just don't want to continue to answer that question. Cause I don't think that's going to be good for you guys. And you're start rolling your eyes at us for answering it. Um, and wrestle and wrestle 2018. John Lovett is Andy Reed's secret weapon. The league knows about Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but they don't know. Love it. Uh, the Chiefs discount, uh, <laughs> Taysom Hill agree or disagree that he had a, has a role based on the offense in the offense this year.
2: I want to buy more John Lovett stock than anybody else on the planet, but the Chiefs keep bringing back Anthony Sherman to waste a roster spot on a guy that just plays special teams and is good in the locker room. If you remove Sherman from the entire equation, I agree. John Lovett have a place in the offense. He's going to be an H-back, not a tight end. I don't want him lining up on the line of scrimmage, trying to block defensive ends or linebackers from one or two steps or standstill. That's not going to be his game. Put him as an H-back. You can make him a, you know, use check type player. It's just, I don't know where you put him on the roster right now. The active roster, when you have Sherman taking up that roster spot, who's already such a prominent role in that locker room and on special teams, I just don't think it leaves space for Lovett to be active.
1: Max Arquilla asks, First, want to say you guys do uh, do my favorite podcast. You guys are so good at what you do. Well, thank you. (laughs) We don't feel like it. (laughs) Okay, big shot. Thank you for the (laughs) (laughs) cut. End of question. Thank you, Max Arquilla. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Do you guys think that she should take a shot at signing Logan Ryan or any other cornerback, assuming Breland misses a few games? I think we kind of talked a little bit about this. Um, but let's make sure, because I, I don't know if we went too deep and there's been more come out about Breland. Just just state about Logan Ryan real quick.
3: Yeah, Logan Ryan, definitely. Logan Ryan can play in the slot. They can give some of these guys a little more opportunities on the outside. Rashad Fenton, if they believe that Sneed is ready to go, they can definitely do that. I think Logan Ryan makes them better. I think Darquise Denard also makes them better. Another guy that's out there still available. I think both those guys are going to be pretty cheap. I, I just think at this process or at this point, it's kind of like a Mo Claiborne situation where it's not going to be too expensive because it's going to be much later in the process. I would 100% bring a slot guy in if they expect Bashad Breland to have to miss some games because, frankly, they need that guy. I just don't want to go in there and try and take one of the spots away from
1: one of the young guys. Cortalope asks given how the Broncos Raiders and chargers were all invested in wide receiver talent this off season, do you see the chiefs offensive back depth being a bigger concern than the usual going into the season? Well, the problem for the Broncos Raiders and chargers is their quarterbacks can't handle all of this, you know, horsepower that they have. I mean, they've got, they've got, you know, a pretty good engine, but they can't drive. So I, I, I'm not as concerned. Now, if I mean these situations can change very quickly if better, more competent quarterback play gets involved. But until that happens, I'm not going to be worried. I'm not scared of Derek Carr. I'm not scared of Drew Locke. I'm not scared of Tyrod Taylor and or Justin Herbert. Listen, they got much better. They have much better weapons.
3: They they nailed their draft picks with what the weapons that they added in the rest of the AFC West. But I actually like the defensive back depth better than I did last year. Like I I am walking into this season a lot more confident in what this team has, a lot better depth. I like the guys that they have on the roster. So, no, it wasn't a problem last year in that regard. Now you've got some more athletic bodies, some longer bodies, a little bit better ball skills. You don't have a room full of negative ball skills. So it's a situation, I think, where you can (laughs) move up – feel better about what the Chiefs are doing here because I do think that even though they added all that stuff that the Chiefs will be fine in their defensive back. For you.
2: I mean I think what you're saying is the AFC West is trying to find a way to score points to keep up with the Chiefs because you're not going to be able to hold them down on a consistent basis and beat them. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, the offense is too good so you're going to have to score points. You look at the Chiefs defense the obvious places to take advantage of are at cornerback and linebacker and so what do you do? You add speed receivers to the outside. You force Trevarius Ward. You force Bashad Breeland, Rashad Fenton, whoever, to try to cover these better receivers on the outside. What the Chiefs have done really well is get a lot stronger through the middle of the field. They're going to force these Derek Carr, Marcus Marietta, Mariota hybrids, and these Drew Locks and whatever in the world Tarod Taylor is going to be for the Chargers to beat them by throwing outside, which just simply isn't a thing that, that level of quarterback can do on a consistent basis. So the chiefs are kind of built well to slow that down with the current quarterbacks in the division. But I do think you see the AFC West is kind of getting an idea of how you have to attack the chiefs to try to start competing with them.
1: All right. We're going to take a break and we will be back with more of your questions, including some taco Charlton talk, which we're all here for right after this.
4: Support for this show comes from Sylvan learning. and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: All right, we are continuing to answer your Twitter questions. Jeff Pars asks, now that the draft is over, do you wish the Chiefs would have traded their first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick? Um, it would have taken more than their first round pick to acquire Mika Fitzpatrick because when the trade happens, you know, I, you know, I, I think the dolphins were looking at it and saying the Steelers are going to suck. The Chiefs aren't going to suck. They were going to have to give up more. That being said, yeah, I would have traded my first round pick for Mika Fitzpatrick. Could you imagine this defense with him? We know we talked, we talked about the Bermuda triangle, you know, with the safeties that would have been like Minka's better than any safety in this class. Like Minka is he's a top fifteen, top ten player in this class. I mean, he's really freaking good. Uh put him on my football team any day. And that's not a slight to Clyde at all. It's just value. Minka. Yeah. Yeah. I think we
3: we even discussed that it might take like a first and a third when you start talking about Maybe Clyde and Niang? Yeah, then you start, you know, a little bit down that road of I'm not sure there. But yeah, Minka Fitzpatrick would add the third of a top 15 safety duo. That's right. I said Juan Thornhill Hill and Honey Badger are a top 15 safeties.
1: Let's that would be go. an
3: elite group. Elite group.
1: Let's go. All right, Laytoni asks... What are the odds Taco Charlton makes the 53-man roster? Roster body chilling. Also asks, uh, ter- this I had to give this some props because it's it's all puns. Care talk comments spelling spelled yep on Charlton's potential spots. In the rotation, Maddie, lead us off.
2: Looking at the Chiefs' defensive end, like, depth chart, I think there's a pretty good chance that Taco Charleston makes the 53 because once you get past Tano passing, like, what do you really have? You have an undrafted free agent and Tam Ward, who I think the Chiefs like, but we didn't get to see any of last year. You have Damone Harris, who I think stepped in and played pretty well, but it's not like he's a guy that's going to keep somebody off the roster, and that's really about it. Like, that's where your rotation ends, and both of those last two guys are complete unknowns, so, Taco Charlton, he's at least been a serviceable NFL level rotational player, if not starter at low end starter at times throughout his yearly career, even though that some people see him as a bust, just based on talent alone. I mean, I think he has to make it into the rotation over some of these guys that we're talking about.
3: Yeah, and he's a Spags guy. Maddie wrote up the thing, you know, talking about him. Go read it. But he's got a little inside out flexibility. He's got that length. He's got the, the you know, he plays the way that Spagnola likes. I like, he's definitely, I, I think we can basically almost write it in Sharpie that he's making this roster because oh. Spagnola wants to carry four guys. He wants to carry four guys, he wants to carry four capable bodies there. I think you saw he didn't love playing Tano Passigno on the outside last year. He loved using him as a sub rusher. So as it stands, they don't really have another body that can play on the outside the way that Spagnolo likes. I think Taco Charlton can.
1: I think they kept five a lot of times last year, too, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. I mean, they, they threw some bodies at people. Tim Ward, Mike Dana, Demoni Harris... Um, yeah, I think, I do think taco has a very good chance of making this football team. I think the relationship with Frank Clark helps, um, and you know, it's a contract year for him and Tano. This is going to be a good chance for both those guys. Uh, Maddie, I thought it was funny that you didn't even mention Breland speaks. Uh, I think we've already moved him inside <laughs> just whether like, that, we, we moved him inside last preseason. I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, that's just great. Uh, but this just is a fantastic transition because Spencer B asks, who gets more playing time, Taco Charlton or Breland Speaks?
2: I hope it's Taco Charlton because I think there's a little bit of meat on the bone there with with uh, Breland Speaks. I mean, there's a lot of meat on the bones, but I don't know <laughs> if it's really going to translate to the football field that well, and I get it. It's still early in his career. It's kind of hard to be writing him off, but you have to look at it from my point of view. I didn't see an NFL, a good NFL player when I watched him in college. So we're going on like six years now worth of Brilliant Speaks tape, where I just see a guy who's gonna be a very low-end rotational player on at the NFL level. So like I don't think there's a lot there. You add in PED issues, injury issues, weight control issues. Like I'm just not seeing what I should be hyped up about. I hope he comes out and proves me wrong. Pasino just came out and kind of proved me wrong on a guy that I thought was kind of done developing because he just hadn't showed much. Hopefully Speaks does the same thing this year. Just I don't know what to get excited about for him because like I said, this is going on multiple years now, going back to college where I just don't see a player that I get excited to watch on a football field.
3: It's Taco. I don't need to belabor the point. It's Taco.
1: It's Taco. And I mean, I people like real quick, I think I might have rant about this already. People talk about how there's still time with Ton ta- or with Brilliant Speaks. There's not. There's not. He's halfway through his rookie contract. He got hurt and then got suspended during that time he was injured, and he was not good his rookie year. There's not a lot of time. They're like, they are actively trying to get him off this roster. If you look at look at who they have, like the ch- I don't think there's a good. I think Breland speaks. Time in Kansas City is done. So who gets more playing time? It depends on how much time the Dolphins give him. Kyle K. <laughs> Craig's giving me a look. Woo! uh kyle k does bo pete have the skill set to challenge rashad fenton for time
3: eventually yes absolutely i think that bo pete is better with the ball in the air i think he's got a higher you know ceiling he's got a better athletic profile but fenton's been in the system one year already he knows how to play he looked pretty decent playing outside at the nfl level so I don't expect Bo Peet to come in and just all of a sudden dethrone Rashad Fenton. Now Sneed's a different story, but I don't expect Bo Peet to have that year one kind of impact there and be able to de- you know, knock Fenton basically down the rung.
2: I think you're more looking at Sneed here to challenge Fenton for time early on. I do think that Bo Peet in the future can absolutely do that. He has the physical profile. I just think, and I think Kent did a good job kind of summing this up on this last podcast coming out there, that he's got a lot of work to do. Like, Bo Pete is not ready to play football right now at the NFL level. There's a lot of work. You just love the physical profile. I think you are a little ways away from seeing him ready to step on the field and really get going. And when you have that far to go, it's you can't guarantee he's going to get there. I think Sneeds a lot closer to challenging Finn right now. I feel a lot more comfortable saying that those two could be in a positional battle than I do Keys at this point in time.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Chiefs kind of threw Charvarius Ward into the fire a little bit and let him play at the line of scrimmage and they were able to kind of, you know, have some success there. I think, If Bo-Pete's going to have any success early, it's going to be similar to that. He's going to have to be playing a lot at the line of scrimmage. Um, Rashad Fenton, it's kind of interesting. What are the Chiefs going to do with him? Are they going to play him outside? Are they going to play him inside? Um, Bo-Pete's playing outside uh, 100% for me. Uh, But uh, don't sleep on him. I'm telling you, Bo-Pete, the the traits are there. Uh, The traits are absolutely there. Uh, Zero Mance asks, "Who has been the uh, what? Is, what has been the main difference from Dorsey managing the Cap and Veach? John Dorsey uh, overpaid on his guys and overpaid for five years uh, on, on guys that he had no business paying top top of the market money. And the reason he did that is because he over he's overcompensating for paying late Eric Berry and paying late." guy uh Justin Houston. So he's let them, you know, play it out and then they they raked him over the coals. And then to counteract that, he got guys like John Dorsey or do, guys like Eric Fisher early and it was just uh, and and Lebron Duvernay Tardif whose contract is still ungood. Um and then Brett Veach has been three-year contracts. You know, he's really done a lot of three-year contracts. I don't think he's overextended this football team too much. Um and, and you know, he's put himself I'm, I think the only five-year contract he's handed out was frank you know badger and sammy Watkins got three-year deals so um you know there there's more flexibility with brett, what brett Veach has done Derek reeland let's play anthony
3: hitchens you're forgetting anthony hitchens
1: okay that there was there's was still too much there's still too much john in the building for that one but <laughs> i mean everything i mean everything about everything since then has been i mean has been shorter contracts i don't think they're they're too exposed in too many areas uh, they're still paying the price of Eric, of of the Eric Berry contract. Oh, last year was their last year with the Eric Berry con- contract, I believe. Derek Vreeland, uh, let's play a game. Three former Chiefs in their prime are magically available in free agency for the 2020 season. You can only keep two. Which two do you keep and who do you pass on?
3: This is easy for me because the three players are Derek Johnson, Brian Waters, wow, and Tony Gonzalez. Job. What a terrible it's re- job. By me. It's really, really easy. And the guy that I'm leaving out is the only Hall of Famer on this list. I'm keeping Brian Waters and Derek Johnson because frankly, the Chiefs already have a top tier tight end that may run away with some of these records by the time it's all said and done. I don't know. He's playing with Patrick Mahomes. So who Uh-oh. knows how this is going to go. Patrick Mahomes gets better, you know, up the middle with Brian Waters and elite Brian Waters. And DJ helps this linebacking core put him there with Willie Gay. I don't care. Figure it out.
2: I too think this one's pretty easy. And I thought I was probably going to be on an island here taking Derek Johnson and Brian Waters, but apparently not. And I love Tony G. And if we go back to even the Alex Smith-led Chiefs, I'm probably picking Tony Gonzalez because I think you get a lot more two tight end sets and you get a lot more use out of it. But with this current Chiefs team, I don't need two slower tight ends on the field compared to wide receivers. I just need one of them. And Travis Kelsey right now, probably still better than tony gonzalez in his prime i think i'm gonna take kelsey i like what he's already got going on so give me brian waters and Derek johnson for the exact same reasons craig said and yeah we're just gonna keep on rolling
1: yeah speaking of islands sweep it (laughs) there's you're not no one is on an island and i'm not gonna lie a little bit of this is a little bit of petty I don't want Tony Gonzalez to enjoy the satisfaction of winning another world championship in or winning a world championship in Kansas City because he has been throwing a lot of shade since he's been gone. Talk about Atlanta. Well, Tony, we get we had a chance. We all had a chance, and we don't want you, Brian. You deserve a ring, Derek Johnson. You definitely deserve a ring. Bye, Tony. You can hey, you can maybe analyze the game. You know, from the stance. uh. Jackson Redford asks, do you think the defense starts this season similarly similarly to how it ended last season instead of going through the growing pains it did in early 2019?
3: Yeah, I think that it'll be a lot closer to what we saw. Maybe not at the, the very end there, but you're going to see a defense that's going to be clicking a lot better. A lot of the same guys are there. They understand it. they are on the same page with Spagnolo. I said this after the playoffs that basically – that this defense is going to be better next year simply because they don't have to go through all this. So in that regard, absolutely. I think that they are going to be much better from the beginning. And, you know, this goes back to run it back, man. They're going to win more early games because they're going to have a lot more complete performances than a lot of the other teams.
1: Steinley Ryan asks, Yesir Durant didn't get a write-up in the KC draft guide. Can you guys talk about his draft profile? Could he fill the void left by Cam Irving or will he strictly be moved to guard?
2: So Durant actually was two tackles just outside of the write-ups. So he was very close. I think I even considered extending the offensive tackle write-ups because the class was that good. And somebody like Yasir Durant or Isaiah Wilson, the two guys just outside write-up range. Deserved write-ups for any other class, they probably would have got it. So we I did like we did like your Seer Durant. I do think he's more of a guard, though. He is very slow footed and not a great athlete. So I just think there's gonna be very limited offensive schemes you can work with that at offensive tackle. Even if you want to call him a swing tackle, just the lack of athleticism moving from right or left tackle or also inside just seems like a big ask for somebody of his athletic profile. But if you put him inside, I think he's big enough and can move out into space just well enough that he can play there. I think you're going to see a small transition from the Chiefs, too, to getting a little bit more stout up the middle rather than elite athletes. I think even if you look at the guys they kind of showed some interest in with even Lucas Niang going to offensive guard potentially or Robert Hunt or just other guys they talked to like Damian Lewis having all these interviews with, those guys aren't super athletes. They're good athletes, but not great athletes. I think Durant's plenty athletic to play guard for the Chiefs and I think that's where you will see him get most of his work once camp gets going on.
1: Galacki asks, if Damian Williams is ruled out at the 1-inch line, what does Andy do? He goes for it. I believe I think he might even mention that they had they were looking at what they were going to do uh if he was at like what call what play they were going to call if he goes for it or if if he if he was short and I think he said he was going to go for it. Um real quick, why not the quarterback sneak there? I kinda wonder if that's not the moment that you go quarterback sneak. I think that is. Uh I'd be Brandon, here for it. Pat would be yeah. here for it. Yeah, I mean it just it would be perfect because and it would that would have been kinda poetic, honestly. Uh Brandon four twenty two explains some scenarios in which Andy Reid could use both Damian Williams and Clyde Edwards Hilaire at the same time.
2: This is like every NFL fan that also likes college football's wet dream is getting two running backs that can catch the ball in the field at the same time. And thinking about these air raid offenses where these running backs are coming out of the backfield or one of them splitting out, running a route. And to which I say, why not just use a wide receiver? Like why not just put Tyree kill in the backfield? And if you want to motion him out to a receiver, go ahead or leave him in the backfield and send Clyde Edwards, Teller out to be a wide receiver or McCall Hardman. Like, Why does it have to be two running backs? I don't understand. But if you are set on trying to do that, and there's some uses for it, I just don't see the appeal. Same thing with two tight ends in this offense. I don't see the appeal if you're going to use both of them, you can split either one out into the slot, like they can run slants, they can run some limited slot wide receiver route trees and do it pretty well, especially if a team's going to cover them with a linebacker. You can have okay. both, you can have both of them run Texas routes or little posts or seam routes outside of the backfield. Like you can get them both into vertical routes from the backfield. It's just again, I don't understand why you wanted to do it with a receiver rather than two running backs.
1: I'm gonna chime in real quick. I the, the thing with like two running backs, two halfbacks. What people talk about, like the reason, like I it's I it's it's weird in Kansas City because we get questions similar to this, like that, like like to mess with personnel, but like I don't know how much that messes with defensive personnel. Like the reason teams roll out certain positional you know position you know personnel is is to try to help. Exploit a mismatch with a defense's personnel. I don't know what rolling rolling two running backs out like that with like Damien and Clyde is going to do to a defense's personnel. That's really going to have an impact. You you're just what you're doing is you're you're losing speed on the field is really what it is. I know this like I just I, I'm, I so, oh go crazy team, team teams counter by putting a safety. They just treat them like a wide receiver. They, it's exactly that's what I'm saying. It's like you. It's just like it's like they treat it like it's eleven personnel. Or, like, I, there's just, it's really, it. that's how, like, that's all that, you know, Andy's doing when he's, when he's putting together his packages. Like, he sees how teams are going to treat certain, certain personnel groupings. And that's part of what they do with the first 15 plays is they get a lot of personnel groupings out there to see how the defense is going to be treating it. Because then they have an idea of who they're going to try to pick on during the, the rest of the game. With two running backs, it just it, it that's not you're not getting a declaration any different than you probably are getting if it's a wide receiver. So all you're doing is you're getting you're getting less speed. Sorry, it bothers me, but that's okay. Faketti uh, <laughs> Balas asks, last year's prediction <laughs> for the worst team in the league was it really successful parentheses 33 years? But do you have any predictions for this year? Am I crazy to think Houston? Hold on. I wasn't predicting that the Niners were going to be the worst team. Yes, you were. I was hoping that the Niners were going to be the worst team. There's a distinction. I did not think it was oh, likely. You went. You I told went you. Hard. I, no, no, no. The you can go back and listen. I said I have contingency plans for the name, if the Niners have some success. I was. I had the sub forty niners in my back pocket. I was not predicting. Yeah, how'd that, that, that work was, out? I was hoping, I was hoping, and they still won the Super Bowl. I'm sorry, but uh, the Jaguars, keep an eye on the Jaguars because I think they're trying to tank for Trevor Lawrence, and this is the year to tank.
3: Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with the Bears because they spent their very first pick on a tight end, giving them 10 tight ends on the roster, 10, and Mitchell Trubisky is still their quarterback. I, I don't care that they added Jalen Johnson and Kendall Vildor, two guys that I really like. Doesn't matter. Any team that has 10 tight ends, just get out of here with that. They're going to be awful.
2: I think it's hard to pick a team, like once you remove Jacksonville, that you think is just going to be utterly terrible. Bears were a pick I was considering going with. I'm going to go with another surprise pick here, and I don't know if I fully believe it, but we're still going to throw it out there. Cleveland Browns. I think there's a chance that this thing is about just ready to erupt into complete and utter chaos. And some of the characters they have on that team, if things start to go south again – things could go really south for that team. So like that one's more of like things have to start going bad and they could just kind of snowball into a bad season. I just don't see any team besides that's really going to challenge Jacksonville to be a two or three win team because that roster is bad.
1: Maddie, I literally thought put, like I I'm not joking you. I thought about this today. It's it's Cleveland stinks. They they they're terrible. Uh, they draft Trevor Lawrence and Baker goes to New England. There it is. Oof. It's happening. Oof.
3: Yeah. See, I, there, there's a there's a small part of me that looks at what the Patriots have done this off season. I'm like, man, I want to pick them, but it's Bill. Yeah, like, but it's Jarrett no, they t-
1: No, it's
2: Jared Stidham.
1: Bill won with Jacoby and Brian Hoyer. Stidham. Bill won with Jacoby and that bum Jim Garoppolo. Okay,
2: listen, both of those guys have more talent in their left ankle than Jarrett Stidham.
1: Dude, dude, have you seen Jacoby Brissett's left ankle?
2: Yeah, well, he's the Kentucky Derby looking fly. Much better than Jarrett Stidham.
1: All right, that's going to do it for this week's Mailbag. We will be back on Wednesday with the AP Laboratory. Be sure to tune in at 11 a.m. for the AP Editor Show on Tuesday with